It's the Real Roots Radio podcast, on-demand content highlighting the best information and entertainment from the Real Roots Radio team. Here's Daniel Mullen sitting down with one of today's top music makers on Real Roots Radio. So exciting to have Justin Moses live on Real Roots Radio today. How are you doing today, Justin? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Now, Justin, uh, for uh, someone like me that doesn't know how to pick or sing, you know, I would, I'd be all right if I was proficient on just one instrument. And then someone like you comes along and you are uh, outstanding on about anything with strings that you pick up. You play banjo, dobro, fiddle, the list goes on and on and on. What was the first instrument that you learned how to play? Well, uh, mandolin was the very first instrument that I got interested in at uh, age well, I was really actually five probably when I got interested in it, but I was six when I started. Uh, I, my family, you know, we played uh, gospel music in church a lot, and they uh, just said my mom and dad had started playing uh, in a, a gospel group right before that time, and we always used to watch this uh, Sunday morning show before church that, uh, that featured uh, the Primitive Quartet. You know, and they, Love they always the primitive a, quartet. Yeah, yeah. They always had a, a mandolin in the group, and I'm pretty sure that's the reason that I wanted to start playing in the first place was just seeing somebody play it and uh, probably thinking, "Oh, that's cool. That uh, that looks small. I, pro- I probably could, <laughs> you know, <laughs> handle that instrument." So um, that's that's what got me started. Wow. When you're five or six, the mandolin's about your size, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We love the Primitive Quartet here at Real Roots Radio. So uh, how long did it take before you uh, l- mastered the mandolin and decided to move on to all these other instruments as well? <laughs> well, I'm not sure I've ever mastered it yet, but uh, <laughs> I definitely spent, you know, a couple years just playing mandolin uh, or something like that. You know, my dad played guitar, and so I had the advantage of always having, you know, somebody to play with, you know, just all the time. And uh and I always watched him, what he did. Uh, you know, he would, he would, he knew enough about the mandolin to tell me, um, you know, how to play chords. And he taught me a few basic tunes and then took me to a, a guy in our hometown he knew of that could play and probably knew a little more to teach me some, uh, some other tunes. But my dad also gave some guitar lessons. And so <laughs> I would sit at times, you know, maybe just outside the room or maybe in the room with when they were, uh, you know, he was giving a lesson, you know, just quietly and listen and watch. And so I learned, you know, some things about the guitar that way. And so it was, that was probably within, you know, a year and a half to two years from when I started playing mandolin that I started also just, you know, playing on the guitar. And then it took, took a few more years, you know, before I really seriously got into anything else. My dad always liked to, he traded instruments a lot, and so if, if there was a banjo in the house, I probably plunked around on it a little bit, or a dobro, uh, and then fiddle too. But um, I know when I was about twelve or thirteen, we got a banjo, and I, I got more into it at that point. That's that's you know, that's when I sort of got the the banjo fever, I guess. <laughs> Now, Justin, you've played with some of the top names in the business, everyone from Dan Tominski and Kenny and Amanda Smith and Blue Highway and Newfound Road and Ricky Skaggs. The list goes on and on. Uh, 
what was the the first uh, professional bluegrass gig that you got, and what instrument were you playing? Yeah, okay. Well, as I was in high school, there were several guys in the, from the same county I grew up in that played. And uh, so me and Tim Tipton and Keith Garrett ended up in this band called uh, Kentucky Wind. Mm-hmm. And uh, from that, we formed the band Blue Moon Rising. Oh, and, that's right. Uh, that's right. Chris Williams. And so that was the first band that I did any real traveling with or anything mm. and so i started with them on on banjo at first and i uh, kind of switched off and played a little fiddle or dobro you know at a, on a given song but um i left the band a few years later and then came back and played uh dobro and fiddle for a while with them so um yeah that was the first first real band that i got a chance to, to be in. Now, you've played all these different in- instruments with all these different bands. Uh, of all the instruments you play, which which one's your favorite? Like, if you're sitting at the house and you just want to pick, what's the, what's the one you go to first? Well, you know, I don't have any kids yet, but I always say that feels like it would be picking my favorite child or something <laughs> to, to single one out like as my favorite because I don't really think of them that way. But I will say if I'm just home, I do play those the first couple of instruments I learned more than anything else, like a mandolin and guitar. And that's just, I just gravitate toward them because it, you know, guitar is an instrument you can uh, easily play chords behind yourself. And, uh, you know, mandolin is a fun instrument to play solo, you know. So those are the two, I guess, I could say I I play at home more. But I, I enjoy all the bluegrass instruments probably evenly and, and i've told people you know along the way that it really sometimes depends on the situation you know like certain certain jams or something you know i might in my mind think oh i, I would like to be playing the banjo in this jam you know yeah or or dobro would be cool to be playing it along with this so it's uh yeah i never have a great answer <laughs> <laughs> yeah. now uh, now justin You've, as we've said, you've played with a whole bunch of different bands. You've played all the instruments. What is, if you were going to give any advice to someone that was maybe looking at a, a career in bluegrass as a picker, what what advice would you give them? Yeah, I always would say, you know, take take whatever instrument you you know you're you might be interested in at the time, and really do focus on it because that's something that I I did for the most part. You know, like. With, Definitely with the mandolin and uh, guitar and banjo. You know, like when I got serious about the banjo, I really spent a lot of time with that instrument. And, uh, and you know, I'm not saying I never played the other instruments, but I really put a lot of time in, into that one. And so I would say, like, just, you know, it it's, sounds cliche to say, but practice, you know, practice, practice, practice. I used to... Uh, sit outside on the porch and, and play a lot and it would, I just pra- I just played because I, I loved it I was never made to practice but um, it's just something that I, I wanted to do you know really bad so that's really the best you know piece of advice I would have is just practice a lot and you know slow things down try to learn uh, try to take things that way like learn some things really slowly and then gradually speed it up that kind of thing 
You've worked with uh, so many of the, the real heavy hitters in this business. You know, that's, that's advice that you're giving. What's some of the best advice you've been given um, in uh, some of the jobs that you've worked with? Gosh, you know, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I feel like for me it's probably less that somebody just gave me advice, but rather, you know, a lot of the just learning experiences I've had and observing the different people, the way they lead their band, you know, or whatever. You know, I feel like I've got a, a, a good variety of um, personalities and leaderships and, and just kind of learning over the years what to do or not to do sort of like, you know, personally within uh, a, a band structure or just, um, you know, it just it takes a lot to uh, to be able to uh, you know be on the road with with a group you know for uh, as long as <laughs> as long as you have to be you know so um, I would say probably just you know that kind of thing just observing people's leadership qualities. So kind of more of a not so much what they said but what they did and, what they did. and yeah, seeing them exactly. as an example. Yeah. Well, what's sure. what's some of the best road? Give us one of your best road stories from all your travels. <laughs> well, oh man, I've, you know, as most people say, like there's a lot of things um, that uh, that maybe are better not said. <laughs> 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 the things that I, that I should talk about uh, now. Um, one of the funniest things to me that's always stood out was the time that. Uh, um, when I was playing with Blue Moon Rising, we, was com- we were coming back, I think, from Ohio. So we played up there somewhere. Um, I'm not sure which gig it was, but we, we came back. It was really late at night. You know, we used to always just, on the drive like that, we'd just drive home that night, um, same night. And uh, we got back to the, the place where we were had parked, some of us, you know, and got in the van. And um, there was this lady that walked up toward the van, just screaming to the top of her lungs, like, and, and not screaming anything intelligible, but just making a uh, just a loud uh, screaming noise. And uh, the, I'll never forget um, <laughs> Chris West. Um, it was, it, it was a, it, it, since it was in the middle of the night, and some of them had been taking a nap. Like it was so startling that he he was like throwing his guitar up in front of this lady, you know, <laughs> like as like don't come near me, kind of thing. <laughs> and, like um, a shield. <laughs> yeah, it, it, she seemed zombie esque, but like um, it was just the weirdest thing. But he uh, ended up taking a car from her. She was actually having a medical situation, so it wasn't really funny. But the whole situation with the guys. Uh, being startled kind of out of a, a, a sleep, you know, it was just the, the funniest thing. But um, <laughs> there's all kinds of situations like that, you know, that come up on, on the road. But. Oh, it's visiting <laughs> with Justin Moses on Real Roots Radio today. Now, Justin, after working in so many different uh, bands over the years, you're I know you've put out some records in the past, but I know you're really striking out and putting out a new record for Mountain Fever. Um, after being... Um, after supporting whoever the front man is, whether it's Ricky Skaggs or Dan Tominski or whatever, what's it like 
reversing those roles and you being up front and center uh, on your on your new album? Yeah, you know, I I was thinking about that the other day. How I had played with um, everybody that I got to play on the record, pretty much. But um, just being in that position, it's kind of nerve wracking. You know, it's a different uh, different situation altogether. Uh, but it was it's all it's fun at the same time. You know, it's fun to get to try to uh, you know make whatever vision you might have for a song come come to pass. And uh, you know, I I, I just I enjoyed the experience a whole lot, and uh, I feel like everybody that uh, worked on the record were, was just really great to work with. Now, everyone knows that you're an ace picker, but a lot of folks may not know that you're a great songwriter as well. I know you said that you have a lot of originals on this album. When did you first begin songwriting? Well, honestly, um, I hadn't ever written at all until probably 2000. 15 or so, I oh, think, wow. when I started co-writing a little bit, but um, and I still wouldn't say I'm you know, I wouldn't hardly even claim to be a writer um, <laughs> it's weird, you know, it's like I've written a few songs or co-written, but um, uh, it's still, you know it's just a handful, honestly, but um, I started getting together with my friend uh, Tom Utes and, Pete, and uh, another one, friend uh, Peter Cooper, Yes, and uh, we wrote I would say we wrote five or six songs uh, over the course of several months. You know, we would uh, we would get together and and try to write, and uh, two of the songs made it to this record. So um, that's the extent of my writing <laughs> on this record. But I, the instrumental tunes, all four of them are mine. I actually, you know, write instrumental tunes. Uh, a lot more you know it's like uh, I'll just will be you know sitting around and get inspiration for that a lot a lot quicker it seems than, than I do with, with words and I've heard that from folks before that some people are more drawn towards instrumentals or melodies and some people are more drawn towards you know words um, why do you think the instrumentals come easier to you than the, the lyrics I think it's just because that's sort of been the way that I, I feel like I've been wired from, from the <laughs> beginning, you know, like I always, if I listen to a song, I, I know I pay attention to the, to the music first before I, I could probably listen to a song several times and, and not be able to tell you much about the words, but I can tell you, you know, what the chord progression is or what, you know, what notes are in a, <laughs> a solo or something. But, um, but then I eventually get around to it. <laughs> So I don't know. It just seems like some people, um, again, it's the way way you're wired or something. Spoken like a true picker, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Visiting with Justin Moses on Real Roots Radio. Now, Justin, um, your new single uh, you said is actually an Eric Clapton song. What are some other outside of the box influences that inspire you? Uh, you know, not just within the the realm of bluegrass. Yeah. Um, that's a great question too. Um, my uh, musical taste is kind of just—I feel like it's, it's a little weird, you know. I, I listen to uh, bluegrass a lot. I mean, that—that that is my home base, you know, for any sort of uh, influence or anything like that. I've really—I've I've talked to you before we got on the air, you know, about. Um, my my family and everything, but uh, we uh, got into uh, bluegrass when I was about 
12 or 13, somewhere in that range. And uh, I was just super into it. So I, I've never, that's never died out for me, really. I still love bluegrass. I listen now probably more to older bluegrass than I do, you know, some, some you know, newer bluegrass or whatever. But uh, I still have that, that love for it the same way that I did. But Who are some uh, of the older artists you've been diving into recently? Oh, well, I don't, recently, I wouldn't say <laughs> that, I, recently, I haven't listened to as much music, but uh, definitely, you know, in, in recent years, I've really, you know, dived more into just even Bill Monroe's music and uh, Flat and Scruggs and Stanley Brothers, I mean, the main guys, you know, yeah. uh, it's not that I haven't listened to it, that in the past, but, you know, just really appreciating it on a level I feel like is, is deeper than what I had before. Mm-hmm. But I started to get at, like, you know, another uh, group from a different genre that I really feel like has been an influence in the last couple of years is Coldplay, because I, I really nice. love... <laughs> yeah, I really love their new record. Um, I, I've listened to it probably more than any other record in the past uh, few months. And uh, there's actually a Coldplay cover on, on this new record, too. So. Nice. What song? It's a it's a song called UFO. Okay, it's kind of probably an obscure track from one of their records, but um, it's one that I always enjoyed playing on guitar, and uh, it's it's in a weird tuning, so uh, it's fun to to play out of that tuning. I uh, haven't listened to any Coldplay's new music, but man, back in high school, that X and Y album and that Viva La Vida album were essential yeah. listening for any kid oh, yeah. that that graduated in the early 2000s or was in, in school during the 2000s, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I graduated in uh, in 99, so I'm right in that, um, you know. Oh. In that category. Why do you think it's important for, even though you're, you know, a tried and true bluegrass picker, to bring in some of these outside influences into your style of music? Well, you know, I, I feel like to, uh, you know, every, if you think about Monroe and the Stanley Brothers and, you know, a lot of the acts that people um, look at as being super traditional, well, I don't feel like they were traditional in their day. Like, they, they, they were pushing it where they thought they ne- it needed to go. And, and I feel like music always needs to change and evolve and, uh, you know, keep, uh, keep moving, you know, keep moving a little bit and, and, you know, you can keep your roots and still grow new branches or whatever. Yeah. So, um, uh, I, I do feel like, uh, it's important for me personally just to, uh, acknowledge almost and, and, and bring in some of the, the influence, uh, from the things that I like and listen to, so it's like you're projecting your um, your vision for what music is good into the world. You know, this new song is is so original and so, such a breath of fresh air in bluegrass these days. It's still very bluegrass, but it's very very unique. Um, why do you think that's important to have your own distinct sound in the world of bluegrass? Well, you do, you know, you need to uh, try your best to, um, for people to be able to listen to something and identify that as you. Uh, that's, that's the only way that people can kind of uh, sort of just catch on to who you are and appreciate what you do. You know, if you have a sound that uh, is not like everybody else's sound, 
this song, the song in particular, uh, Fall Like Rain, is one that, uh, you know, a few years back I decided I wanted to record again, and it took me a long time to ever get, get around to it, but um, I, I had asked around for songs from several different people, and, and one of the people that I asked was uh, Keith Garrett, who I just mentioned earlier, I played in a band Blue Moon Rising with, and uh, he said, well, I don't know if I have anything right now myself, but there's this Eric Clapton song that I think you would be great at singing because it has a really high part in it. And uh, so I, I went and looked that song up, and sure enough, I thought, I think that would work, you know? And so um, I, I credit him with suggesting that song to me. The single's available now, but the album will be late, uh, be available later in 2020. Uh, Justin, it's been such a treat having you on the air today. Where can folks go to connect with you on social media and on streaming? Sure. Um, the best way is to go to my website at uh, justinmoses.com, and I have all the links to all my socials and everything there. But you can you can search me on Facebook and uh, Instagram and t- Twitter, YouTube, you know. I'm on all the platforms, so it uh, should be easy to find. On all that jazz. Well, thank you yeah. so much for joining us on Real Roots Radio today, Justin. It's been a real treat, and we can't wait to hear the rest of the record. Hey, thanks for having me. No problem. You tell Sierra we said hey, okay? All right, we'll do. Pick your day up with music that is sweet. A slender, high-spirited person needs a sugar pick-me-up. The Daniel Mullins Midday Music Spectacular. Yes. Weekdays, 10 yes. to noon on Real Roots Radio.